Welcome to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. I am your host, Mason Choate, joined as always by Jackson Collier, J.C. Hoops, your favorite Arkansas basketball guy, and we are part of hogbeat.com. That is the rival's website covering the Arkansas Razorbacks, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. Go to hogbeat.com. A ton of content this week. We've made a lot of stuff in the past few days free because uh, we have we had a stretch there where like we had a ton of premium content, so I felt like the people deserve for us to put out some good free content. And one of those stories includes a story from Jackson. Are the Arkansas Razorbacks unfairly officiated? And I will just say that a lot of people had their opinion on that story. We're going to talk about it coming up here on the Hardwood Hawks podcast, but we have some housekeeping stuff we got to get to. Beginning with Arkansas's win over Texas A&M in Fayetteville. They took down the Aggies 81-70 to in Fayetteville. Icy night. Not a huge crowd, but they got the job done in front of the crowd at Bud Wall Arena that was there. And it was a good win, you know? I mean, it was a 7-1 and in-conference play A&M team. You know, the, the big thing coming into this game was, like, for both teams, this is going to be a great win on the resume. And, you know, for A&M, you're going into Bud Walton Arena and getting a win over a talented Arkansas Arkansas team. For Arkansas, you can, you know, extend your run to three straight SEC wins. You can beat an SC, a team that's 7-1 and one in conference play. Now, if you look at those conference wins for A&M, you can kind of, like, break it down and be like, okay, well, they haven't really played that many great teams in conference play yet. But still, 7-1 and one in SEC play is 7-1 and one in SEC play. There's no other way to slice it. Now they're 7-2. and two because Arkansas won. Uh, Debo Davis, I believe it's seven straight games with at least 16 points. It's six or seven, one of those two. But he's on uh, he's on a heater for sure. We've heard about the work that he's put in off the court. So let's just kind of talk about that game, Jackson. I mean, a, a big resume builder for Arkansas. It was a win that they needed to get, especially with the start that you know Arkansas had to SEC play. So now you're four and five going to play South Carolina. You know, how do you feel about this team right now? You know, the team's in a great spot right now, actually. Like, I've, I feel really good about the way that the season is trending. Um, Texas A&M was a big game. I think we said on the podcast, like, you had to go last week. You had to go 2-0 and this week. You had to beat Texas A&M. You had to beat South Carolina. Um, Texas A&M is a quad two win. Those quad one, quad two wins are, are big deals, especially late. I mean, they, Arkansas is, is fortunate. They still have plenty of quad one and quad two opportunities down the stretch, these final nine games. But uh, every one, you can't really afford to lose any more of them. Arkansas already, last time I checked, uh, was one and five in quad one. That's a, that's a lot of quad one losses, but it doesn't hurt the resume. The metrics are still good, all that sort of stuff. So it was a huge deal picking up that quad two win at home, uh, thanks to Texas A&M's good net with the seven and two conference record now. I think, you know, building that confidence, we, we were talking about that before the the Baylor or after the Baylor game and before all that, like you know, after Ole Miss and after LSU, this team saw W's in, in, the, in the call. They were picking up wins. And that's huge for a team's momentum, for a team's psyche, for all this sort of stuff. And there, you know, there are some people like, oh, well, bottom dwellers, this, that, the other, which sure, that was true. But this is a young team that is still gelling, that is still trying to find an identity after they've kind of lost it um, with two major injuries. 
So seeing those wins was massive. And we saw at Baylor a really competitive game and probably one of the best games Arkansas has played all year without Trevin Brazil and Nick Smith, uh, even though it ended up being a loss. But that set the tone for the entire rest of the season. They came back and, you know, they were out. They were up big against Texas A&M. And then A&M kind of cut it within four late. And it was one of those scary situations like, all right, uh, is Arkansas going to give up another second half lead? They've done that uh, a few times this year. To their credit, they finished out the game very strong and they uh, spread it back out and won by double digits. You know, I think this team is finally figuring some things out. They're figuring out how to close out games. They're hitting shots. They're shooting really well from the perimeter over the last stretch, Uh, especially Devo Davis. He was four for eight against Texas A&M from three. So, I mean, you have all these things working well. The Mitchell twins, I know Makai is your guy. He played well, but Mikael Mitchell, oh, my goodness, nearly a triple-double against Texas A&M, nine points, I think 13 rebounds and seven blocks. Like, are you kidding me? On his birthday, I guess it's both of their birthdays, but, I think, oh, my goodness. I, I want to say this. I think it's fair for me to also claim Mikel as my guy because I claim Makai. You know, I feel like they're kind of a package deal, you know? Even I mean, they've I been a package ex- deal everywhere they've been, so I, I, I'll give you that. They thank you. I didn't explicitly say okay, Mikel is also my guy, but you know, I like Mikel Mitchell a lot too. He's fun to watch. I mean, the seven blocks was just incredible, and the the crazy thing about Mikel and his performance against Texas A and M, um, first of all, he didn't play a week before against LSU because he was hurt, and. It's kind of like a, a little muddy situation because I, I believe Mikel said it's a foot sprain and Eric said it's an ankle injury. So I'm when I'm writing, I'm just putting ankle slash foot because you're talking the head coach and then the player. I mean, like both like reliable sources. So I'm just I'm going with both in one. Um, but anyways, he's playing through an injury and he has the seven blocks, 13 rebounds in nine points and I I mean the two of them did have a combined triple double I wrote that combined triple double for the Mitchell twins on their birthday I mean like do you I mean Mikel's role I don't do you think that was just a matchup thing against Texas A&M or do you think that moving forward that's going to continue to grow I think his role is going to continue to grow um it's it's hard to sit someone on the bench if they're playing that well I mean I think it's going to be one of those things We've seen it with with he and Makai both, you know. Um, there are some games where they'll both get run against bigger teams, and when they go, they'll either both play at the same time or they'll kind of sub in and out for each other. Typically, one of them is having the better performance and will uh, control most of the minutes. That was Mikel against Texas A&M. Earlier in the season, largely it has been uh, Makai. Um, but I think as, as well as Mikel has been playing – his block rate is so insane right now. Like he, I think he's almost triple uh, the block rate of like any other player on the roster right now. On second place is his brother. So, but yeah, I think he's going to get more minutes moving forward. I think, uh, I mean, Makai and Mikhail really need to be your your centerpieces at the at the five. Uh, I was pulling up Mikhail's stats. Um... Yeah, I mean, the seven blocks, he had three blocks against Baylor, two against Ole Miss, two against Vanderbilt. So definitely, um, I mean, his output right now has been great. You you like what you're seeing from Mikel. I, I I think that I like the starting lineup that they went with where you start both Mikai and Mikel along with Anthony Black, Ricky Council, and Devontae Davis. I think I prefer that. And then you bring a guy like Jordan Walsh off the bench, 
another guy who's playing through an injury, Jalen Graham. Uh, apparently he has some kind of Achilles thing that's bothering him. And Eric Musselman said on Thursday, I'm trying to pull up the quote because with injuries, you don't want to, you don't want to like misquote something. He said on Thursday, uh, Jalen Graham was in an MRI machine the day before the Texas A&M game to get looked at. And uh, I believe he said after the A&M game that Jalen Graham didn't practice at all leading up to the game between Baylor and Texas A&M. And then he was the first guy off the bench. So it's like you have these guys playing through injuries on top of the fact that you don't have Trevin Brazil for the rest of the year. Nick Smith Jr., we're going to talk about that. I feel like we need to talk about it because it's – we just need it. We need to address it. Um, so we're going to talk about that later, Jackson. So just prepare your brain for that. Uh, so, yeah, the, the A&M game, you know, big win for Arkansas, much-needed win. You know, you, you want to get those games at home for sure. Like the road games, yes, it's it's it would be nice to win. And I think this weekend against South Carolina, you know, that's the most winnable road game on the schedule. Uh, South Carolina is 0-5 at home in SEC play. Arkansas 0-5 on the road this season. That's 0-4 in SEC play plus the loss at Baylor. So let's – I mean, let's just transition into that. Uh, before we do, though, I want to remind you about Bet Saracen. We are brought to you by Bet Saracen, which is the mobile sports gambling uh, app for the Saracen Casino Resort. We love Bet Saracen. They always have great, great stuff for the Arkansas basketball games. They have the player props for Arkansas basketball. And I'll say this if you're on hogbeat.com and you read our Bet Saracen story, we do a Bet Saracen story. At least once a week, sometimes twice. It depends on, you know, how content is shaping up. But at least once a week, we do a story where we break down the lines, the odds, the player props for Arkansas, an Arkansas basketball game. And then we give our staff picks. Now, we started off cold. Uh, I don't, I mean, like, I don't, I don't really know what happened there, but we are hot, like really hot. The AM game, 2 and 0. Uh, I gave a pick at plus money. It was Arkansas minus five and a half. They they covered that easily. They won by eleven. You could you could get that at plus odds if you if you read hogme.com and you took that pick. Another pick. Uh, this is on Bet Saracen. This was a player prop pick. Devo Davis over 12 and a half points. That was free money. They were just like handing out free money for that pick. Devo Davis, I, I mentioned it earlier. I need to just like pull it up right now to make sure that I'm saying it right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven straight games where he scored at least 16 points, and you could have gotten him over 12 and a half points against AM. Literally just free money, Jackson. Like Bet Saracen giving out free money. We gave out that pick for free. This Bet Saracen story we do is free on hogbeat.com. I mean, I don't I don't know what else to tell you. You need to go download Bet Saracen on the App Store, on the Google Play Store. It is a great app. They also run specials where they'll have things like, you know, Arkansas plus five and a half, Anthony Black to score 15, and Ricky Council to have three rebounds, like something like that, and it'll be at like plus 600 odds. So they got a bunch of cool stuff over there. So go download the app. We love Bet Saracen. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of college basketball betting. I was on a heater. I, I mean, like I hit – I was probably hitting at like 80% for like a three-day period, and I've probably lost like nine of my last ten bets. So – uh, bet responsibly, 1-800-GAMBLER. If you have a problem, call that number. Okay, Arkansas versus uh, South Carolina, Jackson. I mentioned it, Arkansas 0-5 on the road this season. South Carolina 0-5 at home in conference play. 
I mean, on paper, Arkansas should win this game. I think it goes like pass on paper. Like if Arkansas loses this game, that's just a disappointment, right? Arkansas loses this game, that might really put the NCAA tournament in limbo for for Arkansas. It's even though it's on the road, it is still a if if I'm not mistaken, it's still a quadrant four game for Arkansas. Like that's how low South Carolina's net is. That's how bad South Carolina has been this year. You're playing a conference game on the road in a high major conference, the SEC, and it's a quad four matchup. That That's bad. And this late in the year at all. I mean, Arkansas only has one quad three loss and zero quad four losses unless LSU has moved up uh, recently. Um, but last I saw, LSU had fallen into quad three range for that road loss. Uh, and so now Arkansas only has that one. If you pick up a second really bad loss with no really good losses – it's not not looking great, but I'm I personally I'm not too concerned about this game. You know, uh, South Carolina just doesn't have the the horses right now. I mean, new coach, first year, signed Gigi Jackson, who's very good, but you know he can't do it all himself. He's very good and he's played really well this year. Um, they just don't have the the ponies to run right now, and I think Arkansas is going to be able to exploit that. So. I mean, just looking at, at the matchup, you know, talking to Eric Musselman, talking to Anthony Black, I think the good thing if you're an Arkansas fan is all you heard from them was like, we're not overlooking South Carolina. They ha- they're they a good team. They can shoot. Uh, they, you know, talked a lot about Gigi Jackson, of course. Um, but the language was very much like we're taking this team seriously. It's a road matchup in the SEC. Um, so – that's what you want to hear from Arkansas because you look ahead next Tuesday, you're going to Kentucky ESPN. It was originally on ESPN two, I believe, and it got moved to ESPN. So you got this two game road stretch where you're at South Carolina, you should take care of business, but then you got to go to Kentucky. So you just hope if you're Arkansas, you're not looking ahead to that Kentucky game. And I don't think they are. Uh, So if you, I mean, if you get a win at South Carolina, you're 500 in conference play after starting one and five, and then you're sitting here saying, okay, well, Eric Musselman has done it again. Like, do you kind of get that vibe of like, I mean, I know it's South Carolina. You look at the SEC wins, you're talking about, a, you know, four of the five are at home against, you know, kind of A&M's a good team, but you're talking LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri. Uh, who was the other win? Oh, it would be South Carolina. Okay. Now, so like, but I mean, if they get the South Carolina win, then they're 500 in conference play. Are you under the impression, Jackson, that, okay, Eric Musselman has done it again. He's turned the season around after that bad stress or bad start to conference play. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say that because, you know, that's four conference games in a row, one of them being on the road. You never want to minimize that fact. You never want to minimize four conference wins in a row. Uh, I'm more comfortable saying all of that after the Baylor and A&M games, though. You go to Waco in a hostile environment. Razorback fans traveled very well, by the way. That was incredible. You could hear the hog calls on TV, and there was video from the arena where they were they had to turn the music volume up to drown out the sound of the hog call. So that was funny. But uh, still a hostile environment against a really good team uh, coached by one of the best coaches in college basketball, and you dang near win it. I um, mean, they, they had a lead late, a small lead late, and it was a back-and-forth battle. But between that game and finding out this rotation they've been running against that against Baylor and then 
the rotation they ran against Texas A&M, the ability to close out against Texas A&M, you know, A&M made a late push, late run, cut it to four. Arkansas spread it back out, closed the game strong. Seeing those two things back-to-back weeks, seeing Devo Davis's uh, consistent performance, I don't think you can say it's a fluke or it's a short stretch anymore. It's been an extended period of weeks now, seven games, like you mentioned, with him playing at a at a very high level. Anthony Black is doing the same thing where he's averaging something like 13 or 14 points, six rebounds, and six assists a game over that stretch. So you have guys playing at a really high level. Also, the past couple of games, Ricky Council's really elevated his game back again, too, after kind of a lull period. So I think all of these things coming together, all the players stepping up, the defense finding its way back, finally, um, and then just the confidence and momentum that the team has. Yeah, I, I would say Eric Musselman, uh, yeah, he, he's turned the season around. He's figured out what he needs to do. He's pushed the right buttons. Guys are playing well when they need to play well. And, you know, go into South Carolina, get a W, and then you have all the momentum in the world going into Lexington. And I don't see any reason why Arkansas can't win at Kentucky. Yeah. I look back and I think, like, one of the defining moments is that loss at Vanderbilt after the game. Eric Musselman is just harping on the fact that his team just wasn't competitive at all in that game. He said he was basically talking like he's disappointed in in the lack of competitiveness and he came out and said, like, guys need to get in the gym more because that's what – that's been a, you know, a thing about his teams is guys working outside of practice, outside of the games, putting in the work. And, I mean, what have we heard so much about over the, the past two weeks is Devo Davis being in the gym, working. I mean, all the players have told us, like, we see Devo working, and that just, like, fires us up. And so you've seen a guy like Devo Davis take on that leadership role and, you know, lead by example. And so you mentioned the Kentucky game coming up, but the schedule, I mean, the schedule is just not easy. So it's not, I mean, there's nine games left and South Carolina, you know, that's, that's an easy one, but then you got, I mean, a really talented Mississippi state team coming to town the Saturday after the Saturday on the 11th, uh, you got a trip to Texas A&M, you got back-to-back trips to Alabama and Tennessee. That's just brutal. Um, and then you end conference play against Kentucky. There's also game, home games against Florida and Georgia squeeze in there. So definitely not an easy final nine games, but I like how you put it. You know, this team has turned it around from the one and five start. Plus, you know, you talked about the Baylor game, the AM game. Good stuff coming from those games. Let's uh let's transition into your uh your free throw story, or not free throw story, your uh officiating story, Jackson. Now, I don't we don't want to give away everything because we want people to go to hogbeat.com and read it. Uh it's a free story. You can read all of it for free. You don't have to subscribe, even though you should subscribe. But kind of break it down like bare bones what you're getting at. So I I guess I, I have made myself a target for Razorback fans on Twitter now because I have I'm not even coming out and defending officials per se. I understand there have been bad calls, but I am not of the mindset to believe that officials cost games, nor am I of the mindset that uh, officials uh, have some vendetta against Arkansas as a program. So I took that opinion and thought process and went and researched total foul counts, um, shooting fouls for each team, um free throw attempts and then provided context for all of it 
um, throughout Arkansas's wins, Arkansas's losses, compared the two, all this sort of stuff. And ultimately, what I found out was um, the total foul calls between opponents and Arkansas, pretty dead even. Uh, Arkansas commits more shooting fouls than opponents. And for the most part, you know, you know, the, when you add context to it, Arkansas is trying to extend games too, which kind of creates a free throw attempt disparity at times. You can I, I break it down game by game, and you know there are sometimes where that actually benefits Arkansas, where you know they had a massive free throw margin uh, in their favor, and there are other games where they don't. It's the way of the world. It depends on the game, the flow of the game. Um, how aggressive Arkansas was being, uh, whether one team has to extend or not, all this sort of stuff. I, pro- I, pr- I tried to provide as much context as possible. Um, I thought it was a good piece. I thought it was neutral and objective. And for the most part, I've been pleased with the response of people like, oh, yeah, we makes sense. Good job. Uh, there's still some people who argue and, and, and still say that, you know, oh, refs have a vendetta against Arkansas and, uh, we need to write the SEC home offices or, or stuff, but you know, you'll, you'll get that with fan bases. Yeah. I, one of the things that you normally get with pieces like this are people who like give their opinion without reading the story. And I've seen a lot of that, you know, specifically like, don't, don't read through Facebook comments. Cause like I, I try not to, but sometimes I click on them and it's just, you know, it's a it's an awful place. I went through a stretch there where I was like posting screenshots of Facebook comments onto Twitter and people just got mad at me. So I'm not going to do it anymore because I don't want to get canceled. But uh, if you if you just like want to get really angry about stuff, just go read through Facebook comments on Arkansas fan groups on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that people, for the most part, reacted well to your story. If you want the full breakdown, go to hogbeat.com and check it out. Uh, we need to talk about this Nick Smith Jr. thing, Jackson. And if you're expecting us to tell you Nick Smith Jr. is going to come back for this game on this day, 100%, we're not going to tell you that. But I think that at some point when a question is asked about it in the press conference, which the question needs to be asked every press conference, you know, how's Nick doing? What's the status of Nick Smith Jr.? That's the best player on the Arkansas basketball team. The question needs to be asked. If the question is not answered in the press conference, like that, which which is what happened on Thursday, there's no update on Nick Smith. I'm not blaming Eric Musselman because I understand from his perspective, it does him no good to, you know, speculate or anything. Like I understand it from that perspective, but if you have a guy like Jimmy Dykes going on ESPN every time he's commentating an Arkansas basketball game and saying Nick Smith Jr. told me that he's ninety percent and he's getting close to coming back, then it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Why is it that there's no update, but then Jimmy Dykes with ESPN is saying on broadcast that Nick Smith Jr. told him that he's 90%. You know, like, do you get what I'm saying, Jackson? It's just like this whole situation, it's it's honestly, it's frustrating, you know, from the perspective of fans blowing it out of proportion, but it's also frustrating from the fact that Nick Smith Jr. is tweeting stuff, you know, cryptic tweets, who knows what it is, or maybe he's just tweeting. But then you have a guy like Jimmy Dyke saying what he's saying, and it's like, okay, where, where is the – I don't even know how to put it. Like, why is there no update, but then Jimmy Dykes has a 90% update? You know, you get it? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's it's a really 
tough situation, weird situation, both. Uh, it's it's bizarre too, is, is what it really is. Because like you're a hundred percent correct. Like Eric Musselman is in a really difficult spot. Like he can't just come out and be like, oh yeah, we have an update. Uh, he's not ready yet. Blah 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 blah. It's better to say no update when you don't know when because it it's one of those types of injuries and he's t- and you know the impression is that Nick Smith is taking the precaution to be a hundred percent but what is a hundred percent when does that happen like there's so many different variables so it's it is best to do what what coach Muss has done and that's just like no updates makes sense the waters get really really murky when you have someone on ESPN saying oh well he's yeah he's 90 percent he's almost back it's like it, it came out of left field like and he, you know, Dyke said that that Nick Smith told him that. Uh, no reason not to believe Dyke's there, but it's just like when you look at that comment, you look at some of the tweets from from Nick Smith. Like, oh yeah, I'm. There's no reason for me to enroll this semester if I didn't plan on playing. He said something to that effect. Um, it's it's just a really difficult, weird situation because he's. Uh, not going to say he's not playing tomorrow. It looks like he probably will not be playing tomorrow. So you're looking at eight games left on the season after that. Um, Plus conference tournament, NCAA tournament. That's just not a lot. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really weird. And I don't, I'm glad the question is getting asked in press conferences. Like it, it needs to be asked. Um, I don't know when an answer will come, if an answer will come, or if they'll just release a statement at some point when they know, um, I, I don't know. It's it's weird. It, it's really it's really interesting. So the the for those who like aren't on Twitter, Nick Smith Jr. tweeted, "I want y'all to keep that same energy, just out of the blue." Assuming I'm going to assume that that's directed towards the Razorback fans who probably say that Nick Smith Jr. is not going to play another game. He just came, like he he's just focusing on the NBA, and then some guy replied something that has since been deleted and Nick said lol you think I came back to school not to play y'all must not know my character have a blessed day bro so it's like it's just a frustrating situation I I'm I'm specifically frustrated at the Jimmy Dykes thing like I I don't have anything against Jimmy Dykes I just have something against the fact that okay where why is there communication on that end, but not communication when a question is asked in the press conference? You know, that's that's my frustration. But I like on our message board on hogbeat.com, and if you're a subscriber to hogbeat.com, like we're done speculating on that. Like it's just there's no use in speculating on anything because nobody knows anything unless you're Nick Smith Jr., his family, or Eric Musselman. Like there's no it's just it's 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 just a crazy situation, Jackson. And I mean, the funny thing, the crazy, the craziest. It's not even crazy. The thing that makes the most sense is like every single thread about Nick Smith Jr. on our board is just like it's the most popular thread on the board because everybody wants to know when this incredible talent of a guy is going to be back, and that's what Arkansas fans want to know too. Like you want to see this guy play, <laughs> and you just don't know when he's going to play. So, I will say my between my text messages twitter dms inboxes on hogbeat and like tags on on the truff and stuff a majority of of all of that relating to covering arkansas is all about when's nick gonna play when's nick gonna play when's nick gonna play and then when you get to the threads and stuff and it's not just on hogbeat but also on twitter also on facebook the you know the speculation and then like 
you know, fans running rampant with random opinions that they think is fact or something like it's it's just a frustrating situation as a whole because there has really been no transparency on the whole process which not saying that's good or bad but when there is no transparency throughout the entire time that just leaves fans you know idle hands whatever and they just start (laughs) speculating non-stop and so now you have some wild theories out there yep i want to leave it at that because I'm I'm tired of talking about it. So, um, but like you said, yeah, it, I mean, like that's everybody wants to know that. I mean, I've gotten the same DMs of like, can you please just tell me when Nick Smith Jr. is going to come back? Like, no, I, I can't because I don't know. <laughs> like, don't ask me. I'm not Nick Smith Jr. If you want to ask him, actually, probably don't DM him. I'm, I don't I don't know if his DMs are open, but just leave it alone and just wait. You know, like that's all you can do. But uh, speaking of waiting, we got to wait until Arkansas plays another basketball game, but it is soon, 2.30 p.m. Saturday. That is tomorrow because this episode is on Friday. Saturday, uh, SEC Network, not ESPN, SEC Network, Arkansas at South Carolina, 2.30 p.m. All the coverage you need is going to be on hogbeat.com. I have my scouting report on South Carolina coming out later today. We'll have how to watch with projected lineups, notes, quotes, and all you need to know about the game tomorrow on Saturday. And uh, live updates, commentary, stats, everything over at hogbeat.com during the game. So make sure you check it out. And uh, tell your friends about the Hardwood Hogs podcast. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Make sure you go to hogbeat.com, subscribe, follow Jackson on Twitter. He's at Jackson Collier. Follow myself, I'm at Chope Mason. And uh, thank you for listening to the Hardwood Hogs podcast.